Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is the Canty and Carlin podcast. Madison Square Garden, home of the NCAA men's basketball tournament, East Regional, which tips off with the Sweet 16 this Thursday. Could we see the tournament soon expanding beyond the field of 68? This is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Courtney Cronin, Nick Friedle sitting in for Chris and Chris on this Tuesday afternoon, as always presented by Progressive Insurance. So we're talking with Miami head coach Jim Laranega, whose Hurricanes will play Houston, the number one seed in the NCAA tournament, in the Sweet 16 on Thursday. And he was incredibly impassioned about tournament expansion. Nick asked him a question about the Blue Bloods that we don't see at this stage of the game. No Indiana. Well, frankly, he's probably happy about that one because his team just beat Indiana in the round of 32. But no Kentucky, no Duke, no North Carolina, a team that didn't even make the NCAA tournament this year. And whether that is good for the game or not. So Nick teed him up with that, and then Jim Laranega had to say this about tournament expansion. I think there's so much parity in college basketball. We need to expand the NCAA tournament to another round. There needs to be 96 teams invited. You look at what Fairleigh Dickinson did. You look at what FAU has done. These are teams that maybe nobody heard about going into the tournament. Last year it was St. Peter's. The NCAA, we have 360 Division I teams and only uh, 68 make the dance. The whole mission is to uh, give the student-athlete a great experience. Well, there's no greater experience for a college basketball player than to compete in March Madness. And yet we only have 68 teams out of 363. That's 18%. Let's increase it. Let's go to 96. Let's have the at-large teams battle each other in the first round, 32 teams against 32. That's 64 at-large. And then they go against the 32 uh, conference winners, the champions. You'll always have underdogs. You'll always have great games. Just so much parity in the college game today. That was Jim Laranega, head coach of the Miami Hurricanes. And Nick, when you and I were, you know, going back and forth about this, just the reaction to how impassioned Laranega was about expanding the field to not just 90 teams, which would have been that 25% threshold that the NCAA was brought to the convention in San Antonio a couple months ago, that they should expand, should consider expanding championship brackets across all sports for access to 25% of participating teams in the sport. That's what the committee voted on earlier this year. But 96 teams from where we are right now, it's 68 that, you know, adds about 30 teams there that effectively eliminates the NIT. Would it make for a better product in your eyes? The only thing I think, Courtney, as we work through this question is it would give me and plenty of other college basketball fans more chances to watch games that matter in March. So as somebody who has watched the tournament my entire life, as somebody who spent 
last weekend in Las Vegas, like so many other <laughs> nutty sports fans, watching games all over the place. What I keep going back to is not only would it generate more interest in another whole uh, section of games that we've never seen before in the tournament, what it would do, I would guess, is generate even more money, not only for the NCAA, but for all these schools that are on the outside looking in when the field is as short as it is in the moment. Triple eight, say ESPN, eight 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 seven two nine three seven seven six. We want to hear from you. Is it time to expand the NCAA tournament? Give us a call here on Canty and Carlin. All right, so this this field of 68, the current format we have right now in the men's tournament has been utilized since 2011. There was a 40-page report that was devised by the Division I committee uh, for expansion here, and this would include other sports as well, but we focus in so heavily on the NCAA men's and women's basketball tournament because they are such a revenue driver for the NCAA, and frankly, there's a lot of eyeballs on this product every single year. So the NCAA Transformation Committee puts together this proposal sends it to the convention in San Antonio this year for it to be voted on and uh, frankly there really wasn't much buzz about it coming out of San Antonio in January it feels like that was kind it kind of either met a stalemate but like the idea that Jim Laranaga has is one that other coaches have had across college basketball we know that you know he, he's he's talked about this previously uh, Missouri head coach Dennis Gates after they lost in the NCAA tournament this year said that he would call for NCAA tournament expansion and yeah, we know that other coaches want something like this to happen it's the idea that the product would be quote unquote watered down. I think that's like the sticking point for whether coaches believe that, whether fans believe that. That's that's where we get to here because the same conversation, Nick, happens in college football every single year. When mm-hmm. we see the college football playoff and what the teams and what the field looks like, should it expand? Should it stay the way it is? Well, if you have 12 teams in the playoff and you're going to get an LSU team that lost three games, and you're like, oh, we have those conversations. It's different in March because the parity, like you heard Jim Laranaga from Miami say it there, the parity has never been stronger in college basketball, and that makes for a good product. To me, this is college basketball coaches wanting their teams to get a chance in the big dance that might have been snubbed because the the committee's trying to fit 68 teams into the dance this year. I mean, you think to Rutgers. That was one of the notable snubs. They were 19-14, and 10-10. and 10. In the Big Ten this year, they had a net of 40 in Vanderbilt, 20 and 14, a net of 81. There's certainly Oklahoma State, Clemson, North Carolina didn't get in. They were one of the teams that was edged out of the NCAA tournament. And if the tournament's expanded, you have all five of those teams in, potentially even a different product and a different result going into the Sweet 16. And that leads more fan bases to care for a, a much longer time, Courtney. Uh, you mentioned the NIT. Uh, as somebody who went to Syracuse and has seen Syracuse play in the NIT, when I hear NIT, I check out. <laughs> wanna... So did the North Carolina players this year. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. much so they didn't want to play in it. Exactly. So uh, I understand what the tournament is there for. It's there to reward a team that's on the outside looking in. But to, to Jim Laranega's point that, that he just discussed with us, I don't see if you're the NCAA 
why you can't get everybody on board in time, especially knowing the financial ramifications that would come with another layer to an already multi-billion dollar television deal. Yeah, I mean, the revenue share alone for all of the programs involved, the pot continues to get bigger. So that means there's a bigger piece of the pie for everyone to have, and that only benefits the institutions. Now, there's the belief that the team's getting in, and, you know, frankly, I wonder about it. The Big Ten had how many teams in this year? Six, seven, eight? Mm -hmm. And we have one playing in the Sweet 16. So, of course, when you're the competition committee, you're thinking about the regular season, factoring that in. And then a team like Rutgers, if this was an expanded field, would find their way into the tournament. Would they still be playing in the Sweet 16? I don't know. And I don't know if that would be something that the competition committee and the transformation committee would look at and say, well, there's a lot of regular season champs out there. But those who don't actually perform when they get to March feels like a common theme with some of these conferences. But you would be giving more teams teams an opportunity to compete at the biggest stage which is the marquee product in college mm-hmm. basket in the NCAA like this is their baby they don't have rights over the Division One FBS college football championships. That's that's never been their thing. They have the FCS championship. That's not a moneymaker. This would be for them, and it's something that they should be considering. I mean, they clearly are with this 40-page document that was presented towards the committee at the NCAA's convention earlier this year. We're taking your calls. Should the NCAA expand March Madness in the men's and the women's game? 888-SAY-ESPN-888-7. Two nine three seven seven six. Roland in Arkansas, are you for expansion or are you against expansion? Woo! I just want you to know it'd be awesome, baby, with the capital A. You're absolutely right. we got to expand the field. Think about all the upsets we've had this year. Look at Princeton right now. Think about all the teams that go under the radar that nobody knows about. That's going to increase the chance for more upsets, more bracket busters. Let's go and make it happen. Roland, appreciate the energy. Thank you so much for bringing that to our Tuesday. And he's right. There would probably be more upsets and more 15 seeds, maybe more 16 seeds. And if that tournament field expands, you probably have a 17 seed, an 18 seed, a 19 seed, maybe even a like. however you're going to do it. You're going to have lower seeded teams with the potential to upset the blue blood programs that we have seen go out of the tournament. Now, I just I wonder, is that something that's bad for business? Because the lack of blue bloods at this point and what that adds or subtracts from the tournament is a topic that's hotly debated. Granted, the upsets that we saw, I mean, you know, Duke and Tennessee, an upset of four or five, like, I, I don't think that's like they were very evenly matched. I think that that was Tennessee. I picked Tennessee in that game to begin with. So, like, I I felt like that was a fair matchup, and I wasn't, like, too surprised that Duke wasn't there in the Sweet Six, going into the Sweet 16. But when you add more teams, do you really water down the competition where these upsets that are rare in their own right, and the reason they're rare, like, the reason they're so good is because they're rare, is is that, if we have too many of those, are people going to tune out? I say no. I think people are going to continue to watch. I don't believe so. And, Courtney, I would go back to, I believe the tweet I saw was from Austin Carp, but he noted that that Purdue-Fairleigh-Dickinson game rated at something like 4.7 million viewers. It was the highest-rated game that Turner has had since they took over the NCAA tournament deal or at least went into the, the combo package with CBS. People love underdogs. People love this tournament. 
it is the focal point of everything that happens within college basketball. As somebody who was afraid that the first four was going to water down the competition and the product, having watched my own Syracuse Orangemen go all the way to the final four after getting into the first four, I say expand it, allow more fans to watch games that they care about and that have the intensity that these tournament games always do. Triple eight seven two nine three seven seven six. John in New York, you're on ESPN Radio. Hi guys, I'm I'm for it in football and against it in basketball for the same reason. Having been a Division One athlete and a parent of a Division One athlete, the most important thing, or the first most important thing, is the conference championship. If you add to the basketball, you're way of the importance of winning your conference. I think we lost John there at the end, but the point was if – so football expansion, I would, I'm going to assume I don't want to put words in his mouth, but if you expand it, like let's say the 12-team field, because mm-hmm. if you go any longer larger than that, then we open up a can of worms that is just difficult to, to, to decipher. So forward in college football, against it in college basketball, because it takes away the importance of winning your conference tournament. Am I understanding that correctly? Because I, th- I don't think it would. Yeah, I don't think it would either. John sounds like he he may be <laughs> he may be a, a a former athlete and the parent of an athlete in the SEC, Courtney. <laughs> because if, all my SEC friends love to tell me it just means more, like that slogan that they pump out all the time. But uh, I I don't buy that. I think it's all about getting to the tournament and as for as much emphasis as certain fan bases have on conference tournaments. I think we all see what the real prize is at the end. Yeah, the the importance of winning your conference tournament. Tell that to Merrimack, a team that actually won its conference tournament but wasn't allowed to play in the NCAA tournament or the NIT because they're still in the process of the transition from Division Two to Division One. So maybe by way of that, if we can go ahead and just kind of lump a few things in and just send them to the NCAA and say, hey – sign off on these maybe we can get rid of the four-year transition rule for division two to division one because at that point if you have like for conferences like that you have the automatic qualifier and maybe you do have another team in there fairly dickinson had a really good year this year and they were deserving of the two seed in the nec tournament and maybe if the fields expanded they get in anyways and while the other team that actually won the tournament could get in. I mean, there's those are those circumstances that who knows with conference expansion if that would change too. It's an arcane rule, but there are a lot of arcane things with the NCAA. Maybe that's one they would consider. Tyler in Iowa. Tyler, you're on ESPN Radio. For or against tournament expansion? So I am for it to a point. Uh, thanks for guys for taking my call. Um, I think if you were to expand those first four play-in games, I think it would be a better way because I do believe it waters down the competition. I work in sports media here in Iowa, and one of the big things in Iowa is that every high school basketball team makes the playoffs to compete for the state tournament. And the state tournament, those last eight teams that make it to our big tournament here in Des Moines, very special thing versus you know every team making the playoffs. If you expand that so much, you're going to take things away, and it's just – it's a money game. That's the only reason they're actually considering this is to make more money for – especially the Blue Bloods. Obviously, the small schools also make a lot of money. But as a North Carolina fan, I don't think North Carolina deserved to make the tournament this year. A lot of these Blue Bloods that didn't make the tournament 
did not deserve it because they did not play well in the regular season. And I don't think that should be rewarded just because you have mediocre play and you're a big name. There will always be, and thanks for the call, Tyler, there will always be that argument of don't reward poor play, a team that maybe goes, you know, one or two games above 500 on the season, goes 500 in their conference. Don't reward that play with a berth to the postseason. That's what that's what the NIT is for. That's for the runner up, runners up in that class where they, if you're not one of the top 68 teams because of the way that you finish, because of the way that you you know put yourself in line to succeed in March, then you go to the NIT. And if you're worse than that, then you go to the CBI. But it's it's a good point because I, I mean this is a 350 team field more or less. Those are that's about roughly how many teams there are in Division One that have men's and women's college basketball programs. 25 percent of that. That's what the NCAA proposal was that they had at the NCAA convention this year. 25 percent of that's roughly 90 teams. Exactly what Jim Laranega, the head coach of the Miami Hurricanes, told us here in Kenny and Carlin. He wanted 96, and he wanted you know the 32-team NIT basically null and void. So because of, of how he would structure the teams, uh, tr- structure the tournament where you have teams playing, you know, it just it, it's a much it's a much more succinct way than I can say it. The way that he put it, where you'd have a much deeper field, more opportunity, and thus with more opportunity comes more revenues for the school. This is a great, fascinating topic. We're going to have to continue this on at a later point because straight ahead, a potential matchup between two of the biggest stars in baseball could be happening tonight. We're going to get into that in the World Baseball Classic coming up next. Kenny and Garlin. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Canty and Carlin, the podcast. We are hours away from what could give us the ultimate, most perfect ending in the World Baseball Classic. Courtney, I hope this is pumping through Team USA's clubhouse right now. 
Let's Mike, go, the Hulkster! Mike has got this on volume 50 at the moment. I don't know what's going on in Japan's clubhouse. Probably something equally as awesome, but very well tonight we could see Shohei Otani go up against his Los Angeles Angels teammate, Mike Trout, in the World Baseball Classic. Kenny and Carlin here on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app. Courtney Cronin, Nick Friedle sitting in for the guys. Pleased to welcome in from Miami, Jeff Passan, ESPN Senior Major League Baseball Insider. And Jeff, we know this matchup has been talked about ad nauseum today, and, and for good reasons. I mean, Shohei Otani saying he expects to be pitching in this game tonight, along with his DH responsibilities, but it's a role that he hasn't had or hasn't had to do since 2016, and it would come as a reliever. Why is that? Well, I mean, he hasn't done it since then because when he did it at that time, it was sort of a novel thing. You know, he's a starting pitcher. Um, But he also hasn't thrown on only four days rest in his entire you know, five plus years in Major League Baseball now, and so to to potentially uh, on the cusp of free agency, go and do something and overtax himself and stress his arms. A guy who's had Tommy John surgery, you know, they just don't want to put a generational talent at risk. And it's the sort of thing that, honestly, Courtney is completely unknowable. Like we have no idea what his arm is going to be like or how it's going to react, but. The fact that he's done this in the past, albeit seven years ago, I think gives him a little bit more comfort in knowing it's something that he can do. Mr. Passan, the television numbers and the interest for the World Baseball Classic seem to be off the charts all across the world. As you talk to people in Major League Baseball, why do they think that interest isn't resonating the same way here in the States? Um... Well, one, it's baseball. <laughs> like you guys, you know, you guys cover the NFL and the NBA, and you you see the difference among the sports. So, you know, baseball has become a much more regional game, and national resonance is uh, something that has waned through the years. But it's also, I think, something that can be recaptured if done the right way. And uh, I will say this, I think television ratings for baseball are going to go up this year because of the pitch clock. And uh, I think it's been a really successful march for the sport, frankly, between uh, what the the WBC has done internationally and uh, the the changes that they've seen, uh, especially in game times and pace uh, in big league spring training games. But uh, you know, mainly, Nick, I think like we have to recognize this is still like a baby of an event. The first year was 2006. This is the fifth time that it's happened. Uh, it's really only like the second with serious social media and, and with Twitter and Instagram being what they are. So uh, I, I think that in the end, um, the, the health of the WBC is not something we're going to really truly understand for you know probably one or two more tournaments but I I will say this um, I think the interest even if it's not widespread at this point uh, is very real and is certainly growing ESPN senior Major League Baseball Jeff 
insider Jeff Passan joins us here on Candy and Carlin ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. So the way that Japan got to the World Baseball Classic final round, walk-off two-run double last night to get into this final game against the United States. They beat Cuba, but their big win came over Venezuela when Trey Turner, who has been a home run machine in the World Baseball Classic, hit a grand slam to lift the United States in that game. How do you size up his impact in the World Baseball Classic so far? I mean, he saved the tournament for Team USA uh, in that quarterfinal game and then came back in the semifinal game and hit two home runs. So, yeah, his impact's been pretty great. And, it, you know, I think it speaks to the level of talent that's involved in this tournament that Trey Turner for both of those games was batting ninth. <laughs> like that's a, the, the idea that Trey Turner is in any lineup batting ninth after signing an 11-year, $300 million contract to the Philadelphia Phillies this offseason is completely ridiculous, but uh, when you're on a team that has Mookie Betts leading off and Mike Trout hitting second and Paul Goldschmidt third and Nolan Arenado fourth and has all-stars riding the bench every night, I mean, that's, that's what you're going to get. And, uh, you know, I, I wrote a story on ESPN.com today. I think it's at the top of the site right now if you're listening it on your phone or computer. Um, it's at the top of the site, everybody. Go read Jeff Passan. Yeah, I mean, uh, listen, I don't get there very often, so I'm just going <laughs> to pat my back when I do. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I was trying to say that, Nick, to make it easy to point them, not to, to sit there and toot my own horn. I'm, I'm your hype man. Come on, Mr. Passon. Oh, I thought you were twisting the knife rather than patting on the back. So thank you for that. I appreciate it. Um, and, and it talks about, you know, I think there's a, a contingency of people who look at the World Baseball Classic through the lens of Major League Baseball. And I understand the tendency to do that. You know, like MLB plays an enormous role in the WBC and in its promotion and in the whole undertaking. Um, and the, the majority of the best players in the tournament play in Major League Baseball. So there's certainly a link between the two, but... It, I, I think the, the most important point was that baseball is not just Major League Baseball. Like, you can have something like a tournament in which you are representing your country and love that while loving Major League Baseball, too. It's not mutually exclusive. And I, I think there's a not insignificant portion of fans out there who, whether they're Mets fans lamenting the Edwin Diaz injury, Astros fans angry that Jose Altuve broke his thumb, any of these things, you say, why, why are we doing this for an exhibition? Why are we doing this uh, for games that don't count? And, and I think that's the wrong perspective to have. Uh, they count. They just count for something different than what you're used to them counting for. And uh, I, I'm not going to equate this to the World Cup because it's not even close, but uh, you know, a player who plays in the Premier League is judged on both how he does in the Premier League and how his team does there, as well as how his country does in the World Cup. And I think that's the ultimate goal of Major League Baseball. As, as it tries to expand the game internationally beyond hotbeds like the Dominican Republic and Japan and Venezuela and Cuba, uh, two places like Great Britain, which had a team in the WBC this year, or Italy or Czechoslovakia, or excuse me, Czech Republic. Like these are these are all places where you don't associate them with baseball, and 
yet if 10, 15, 20 years down the road, it's like the NBA and its international push and uh, you see superstars coming out of there because of a tournament like this, you've won. Like, that's the goal, and uh, that's something that I really do think could happen. Just about an hour away from first pitch in Miami, Team USA versus Team Japan in the World Baseball Classic final. For the Americans, this is their chance to become the first repeat WBC winner since Japan took the first two tournaments in 2006 and 2009. And having all the reaction for us at ESPN.com will be ESPN Senior Major League Baseball insider Jeff Passan. Jeff, thanks so much for jumping on with us. We appreciate it. My pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me. All right, one week away from opening day, or just over a week away. Thursday, most teams are uh, kicking things off. Excited for that, excited for baseball to be back. But if you've been following the World Baseball Classic, it's been back for quite some time. Kenny and Carlin, ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, straight ahead, three and out to end the show. The darling of the dance has a new job. We get into that next here on Kenny and Carlin. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Canty and Carlin podcast. Three and out, Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, the ESPN app. Courtney Cronin, Nick Friedle sitting in for the guys. Some sad news out of the New York Knicks organization today. Willis Reed, the legendary captain for the Knicks, leading the Knicks to their first championship and sparking one of the greatest memories in sports, has passed away at the age of 80 years old. Stephen A. Smith, first take commentator, was on NBA Today remembering the life and the legacy of the late Willis Reed. He was synonymous with championships. He was synonymous with sacrifice um, and doing what it took to win, not just on behalf of himself, his teammates, the organization, but Knicks fans everywhere. And that's why he'll always hold this very, very special place in all of our hearts, and we're sad today to know that he's gone. Seven All-Star selections, two NBA Finals MVP awards in his long list of accomplishments. And, Nick, I just think about, like, when you see those reruns of the greatest moments in NBA history, stuff that, you know, airs right around the time of the finals when they're trying to fill some content, that moment with the Knicks and leading them to their first championship when he comes out of the locker room minutes before Game 7 in the 1970 NBA Finals is one that like I always think of when it comes to Willis Reed. Here comes Willis! I, I, Courtney, it, it, it's really special for me because it's one of the first memories I have of my dad teaching me about the NBA. He told me about Willis Reed. He told me about that moment. He told me 
how special that was for for Knicks fans and what it meant for him to even be out there given the injury that he was dealing with. It's a sad, sad day, but what a hell of a legacy to have as the guy that fought through everything to be out there in those first moments of that game for his teammates. A legend gone too soon, Willis Reed, the great captain and center for the New York Knicks, has passed away at the age of 80. Three and out, Candy and Carlin, ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Iona has hired Fairleigh Dickinson coach Tobin Anderson as its new head coach after Rick Pitino left Iona yesterday for St. John's. Now, we know the story of Fairleigh Dickinson knocking off Purdue, the one seed last Friday in the first round of the NCAA tournament. But Tobin Anderson is not new to this. He has been at the D3 level, at the D2 level. He took over this Fairleigh Dickinson team that was 4-22 and a year ago. Leads them to the conference tournament championship game where they are one point shy of the winner, which was Merrimack, the team that should have been in the NCAA tournament this year, but was not because they are still transitioning from D2 to D1. So that AQ goes to FDU, a team that was 21-16 and 16 this year. Smallest team in the field in the NCAA tournament. And the win that they had certainly helps Tobin Anderson's career path and his bank account a five-year deal to become the next head coach at Iona, sources telling ESPN's Pete Thamel. Courtney, I'm picturing Tobin Anderson listening to Jim Laranega's interview with us an hour or so ago and where Coach Laranega is saying, yeah, expand the tournament. The coaches are all about it. Tobin Anderson is the case in point. Nobody, unless you were a diehard basketball fan and a, a serious college fan, knew who Tobin Anderson was prior to a few days ago. He takes advantage of the opportunity that his team earned. They get into the first four, they get through, and then they knock out Purdue. And here we are a week later, and he's taking Rick Pitino's old job. This is exactly why coaches all across the country want that tournament expanded because of the opportunity and the platform that it provides. You can hear the full Jill Laranega interview in the Canty and Carlin podcast available wherever you get your podcast. Big one in the NBA tonight for those who follow the NBA religiously. You are more than well aware that they are partying right now in Sacramento. 43-28 and 28 on the season for the Kings. They have the Boston Celtics, a team that is desperately in need of a win, but this is not going to be an easy task against a Kings team that has been red hot as of late. What do you look for Four in this matchup, Nick. A, a lot of points. <laughs> I would say take the over. Courtney, Sacramento does not like to defend, but they can score with anybody. And for all the people out there that say, ah, Sacramento's going to get in the playoffs and they're not going to be able to find a way through, this game is one of those uh, litmus tests for a group that hasn't proved itself in the big matchups. Now, I know that Sacramento is going to be hopping and pumped up for everything that is coming their way. But to me, if Sacramento can show any kind of defensive intensity to go with what we have seen from them all year on the offensive end, they can knock out the Celtics and they continue can continue building the confidence they're going to need to get into the playoffs and make some noise. 
on their side of this matchup, Robert Williams back in the lineup for the Boston Celtics. And this is a team that sits a half game above Philly in the Eastern Conference. We know the 76ers have won 8 of 10, and they have consistently gained ground on this Celtics team. Celtics have the tiebreaker, which would definitely come in handy. But this is a big game. They're trying to stay in the number two spot in the East. Will they when it's all said and done? I don't think so. (laughs) I don't think so. I I, I just think that uh, there's there's too much uncertainty right now, and I wouldn't put my money on it, uh, given what we've seen. All right. Kenny and Carlin, ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. On the note of St. John's and Iona moving on very quickly from the former head coach, Rick Pitino, and hiring Tobin Anderson. Pitino was welcome today at St. John's. Quote, I've earned it. That is what he said when he was introduced as the next head coach of St. John's. And he gets to return to Madison Square Garden. A big sign saying, welcome, Rick Pitino. It's more like a welcome back for him. Remember, he's the guy who at one time coached the New York Knicks. Back in a building that he loves, knows very, very well. And back in the Big East, the conference that launched him into stardom, where he won his most recent NCAA championship. Oh, Courtney, I, I, the, the picture of Patino sitting at the, the interview dais up, uh, up on the stage with uh, the, the father <laughs> to his right really was something. St. John's knows what it's doing. It's all about business. He's going to win. They'll make money. But at what cost from a moral standpoint for a school that is built on morals? Yeah, the Red Storm. Uh They've got a long way to go. Let's just leave it at that. Put it nicely. They have a big hole they've got to dig themselves out of, and they are relying upon Rick Pitino to be the one to bring them back into the blue blood blue blood pool of college basketball. Joe and Amber's next. This has been ESPN Radio in the ESPN app. Thanks for listening to the Canty and Carlin podcast. You can listen to the show live weekdays from 3 to 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Plus, you can listen on the ESPN app. Canty and Carlin, the podcast.